Welcome to the Modern Mamas Podcast. We're here to provide a safe space for open dialogue, insights, and anecdotes about empowered pregnancy, labor, delivery, parenthood, and everything in between with zero judgment and open hearts and minds. I'm Jess, a level one CrossFit trainer, a birth fit coach, and a licensed and certified athletic trainer. I have my master's degree in kinesiology, and I am currently studying to be a certified nutrition consultant. I'm the blogger behind Hold the Space Wellness, as well as a mama to two small kiddos. And I'm Laura, a certified CrossFit trainer, certified nutrition consultant, birth fit Santa Cruz regional director, and mama to Evie Wilder. I'm also the woman behind Radical Roots, where you'll find recipes, fitness insights, travel tips, consulting, and more. Please note that while we're here to provide advice and insights, we aren't medical practitioners and always recommend that you check with a trusted provider before implementing any changes. Thanks for joining us. We are so happy you're here. Happy New Year, friends. We are so excited to kick off this year with another incredible giveaway, and this one is all about self-care. We've teamed up with some of our favorite companies to give away items that we've personally used for our own self-care this past year, and we cannot wait to share that love with you. The first item in the giveaway is a bottle of our favorite grass-fed organ complex from Paleo Valley to nourish from the inside out. The next one up is an entirely plastic-free Pura bottle to keep you hydrated and toxin-free that I personally have used and loved, and so have my kiddos. And then, for your reading and self-care pleasure, we're giving away a copy of the brand newly released 21 Day Sugar Detox Daily Guide by Dan Sanfilippo. And we've also teamed up with two amazing strong mamas who are putting self-love goodness into the world and empowering other mamas in the process. Cassie Joy Garcia brings you her all-access seat for three months of her next Fed and Fit project. And Miranda Shivers, incredible athlete and mama to baby Knox, is offering three free months of do-it-at-home street parking fitness programming. How sweet is all that? All you have to do is subscribe, rate, and review the Modern Mamas podcast. Take a screenshot of your review and email it to us at modernmamaspodcast at gmail.com. It's as simple as that. Giveaway ends January 31st, so don't miss out. When you leave a review, it helps others find our tribe. We're so grateful to have you here and so excited about all that 2018 has to offer. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Mamas podcast. Um, we are here today to talk about a pretty cool topic, um, kind of a heavy topic, but one that we've got a lot of requests for. So we are excited to dive in. This is definitely not going to be a sciencey episode, um, <laughs> but we're going to share our experiences nonetheless, and hopefully you guys can learn from us. But before we do, let's do our check-in. We're going to start with Laura. Laura, what's been going on in Santa Cruz? Gosh, a lot. I mean, the holidays are now officially over and I'm not, I love it. I really do, but, um, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm ready for the holidays to be done. I, you know, honestly, like I started, those of you know, I've, I haven't posted about this actually anywhere yet, but I'm going to, I was really into sourdough and I was making sourdough and in the process of making sourdough, making a lot of sourdough discard things like biscuits and whatnot. And I wasn't eating a ton of them. Rusty was eating them mostly, but, um, by Christmas that in conjunction with a lot of sugar, I started getting like really gnarly brain fog. So unfortunately, I don't think, even though it's super low gluten, I don't think that sourdough can be a regular part of my life, which is sad, but that's life. It's something I can have on occasion and totally enjoy. Um, but yeah, the brain fog has been gnarly. So the past week, uh, I've been really going a little bit lower carbohydrate and it feels a lot better. I just need to like really kind of do a cleanup of all sugar. And it's not like I was eating that much sugar. So I really think that unfortunately the gluten in the sourdough was having a little bit of an impact on my, on my belly. Um, and there's such, sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm just like thinking out loud here. Do you think it was really the gluten or do you think it's just the higher carbon take that like through the process of consuming I wasn't eating, it was, I was substituting it in for, I mean, I would have like a slice where I used to maybe have like a half a sweet potato or so like, it wasn't like I was eating it on top of my old carbs. I was swapping it out. Okay, cool. Um, so I don't think it's carbohydrate in general. I think it was the gluten. It just kind of slowly, you know, and, and also there's a little bit more sugar in the holidays, a little bit more alcohol. Um, and I just think that my body was like, that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's such a, a, you know, a, a unique connection between the gut microbiome and the, um, the brain. And so it's really fascinating. Now, if I have like any sugar at all, uh, for like Christmas day was the first day I really noticed it. I had a little bit of sugar in the morning and it was like immediate, like heavy brain fog. 
very sleepy. Um, and I used to have a lot of stomach upset from that kind of, from like gluten and whatnot. And now my stomach is fine. It's just, it's like all in my head. So it's really interesting. It's something I'm glad I'm doing and playing around with and I'm learning about myself in the process. And also I will note that postpartum hormones actually oftentimes make it more difficult to process sugar and, and that kind of thing. Um, and so I think that in this postpartum period for me, I'm really learning through my macro experiment and everything that like, I need a lot of fat right now and I need less carbohydrate to feel really good. So it's been fun. It's been a cool journey and just getting back and like trying to eat intuitively, but like just mind the carbohydrate content. And I've really, right now I, I'm not craving sugar, which I find fascinating. Um, so just listening all I'm, I'm eating a ton of fat, lots of dark, dark, dark chocolate with coconut butter. But then I found that that dark, dark chocolate, I think was actually affecting my sleep. Like we're talking like 90 to hundred percent. And at night I was like having a hard time going to bed. And then Evie started, she's been, that's a whole nother saga. But there was one night where she was, I ate chocolate really late and she was just like awake and happy and smiling, but just awake, like ready to <laughs> rock and roll. And I was like, Oh no. <laughs> so I think, um, just playing around with that. So I guess my updates are about food. Uh, what hey, else were, it's my favorite yeah. topic. <laughs> we are, um, we've been, you were on the CrossFit podcast. Oh my gosh. I was on the CrossFit podcast and that was so fun. We'll link to it in the show notes, but, um, super, super fun, super, super fun. I got to go on and talk about life as like pregnancy, postpartum doing CrossFit. We talked a lot about sex. We talked a lot about all kinds of things. So I highly recommend you listen to that. It's a fun, really fun episode. Um, and I think at, at this point I will leave it there. We've got some sleep saga stuff, but I'll update you more once I know more next time. So stay tuned for some more, more on a uh, six month old sleep. Okay. Awesome. What is new with you? Um, I was just thinking while you were talking a little bit, um, and now it's already like escaped me. One thing I, I am a food adventure, got a yogurt machine, which really it's kind of misleading. It's not really a machine. I mean, you plug it in, but basically it just is a vessel that like stays warm. Um, like a consistent warmth comes from it and that's what helps you culture the yogurt. So I'm trying to mess around with that. Um, Are you going to do coconut or milk? Yeah. So I actually tried a batch of coconut milk yesterday and I actually haven't checked on it. It's in the fridge. I put it in the fridge this morning because it needed to set up. Um, I don't think it's going to turn out right. (laughs) I don't know what I did, but it's like, I think once I get the process down, it's going to be really easy, but you have to like heat the milk to a certain temperature and it can't like, has to be pretty specific and then you have to cool it and add the culture at a certain time. You have to add. So that's why I failed. I would just like put culture in cold coconut milk and put it in the oven with the light on. Well, so some, it work. should be easy. Sometimes like I see all these recipes about how you just like add some probiotic powder that's what I did. and like that's all, and it like turns into this like thick creamy yogurt. I'm like, why is this not working for me? So I'm playing around with it. So I'm experimenting, okay. experimenting for you guys. Um, the, the thing about coconut milk is that it doesn't have lactase obviously so the the bacteria need some sugar to like feed on so you I think I didn't add any sugar this past round so I need to add some the next go around and then um it doesn't get as thick normally because of that also so you have to add sometimes they suggest adding like gelatin or like a starch like tapioca starch or something that will like thicken it well, the cool part about that is you could add in like a prebiotic too. And then the probiotics from the fermented yogurt would work with the prebiotic that used that thickens it. I don't yeah. Know. So it's, ex- it's going to be some experimenting. The cool thing is that I got this cool yogurt starter on Amazon that's vegan. So you can be truly like dairy free mm. if you want to, but I probably will mess with some like raw milk, coconut yogurt. I would. That's awesome. Um, and see, but I wanted to kind of play around with all those different types and see what I can come up with because cool. it's, I love yogurt. Um, one of my favorite foods to eat. So we'll see. So that's, that's number one. Keep us posted. What else is going on? You know, nothing else is really happening in my world. Like you said, the holidays, I, I too, it was great. It was a very magical season, but I'm like Mm -hmm. ready for some consistency and like back to the normal kind of scheme of things. So it's fun. The new year's fun because you get to like start a, I know we always, we both talked about this already. We set goals and, and I really feel amped and excited and that we they're achievable goals and just like, I'm just ready for a new year. And, um, 2017 was magic, but it, you know, a lot started. We start. I had a baby. We started this podcast. It's all yeah. cool. So just kind of a year of what were your words again? I saw you post um, on Instagram. It was simplicity and consistency. And I, I love it. I posted on Instagram. It's nothing sexy. It's not like 
anything lofty or, you know, cool. It's basically just like showing up, being present and making little, you know, putting forth effort a little by little every single day so that hopefully at the end of this year, it's going to be, I look back and I'm like, okay, wow, I, I just showed up. I did what I could. And now look, look at what happened. It's, I think that's what people want. It might not be sexy, but like I posted yesterday, which was new year's day, a little like pull, like, Hey, you know, 2016 radical roots was a lot of recipes. That's almost all it was. And travel, a little bit of travel and adventure and then some fitness. And then this past year, it's been a lot of me as a mother and like what I'm doing as a mom and, and, um, our adventures and some travel and very few recipes considering mm-hmm. I was sick half the year. Um, and so I asked, I was like, what do you guys want to see? And it was like 80, 20 people prefer the motherhood lifestyle stuff, which makes me feel good. And it makes me feel like my audience on Instagram is very much like in tune with where I am in life right now. And it's also fuel for this podcast. Like I feel like we are doing something here where we're building a tribe and a community. But then I had a number because I also said, Hey, let me know what you want to see. I had a number, like more than I can count. People say, I want both specifically simplicity. So they, people are looking for, Hey, combine the two. You're a mom now. What are you eating? How are you making it work? So people, not and that, you know, I'm kind of like, like recipe right. that you're not really going to eat in real life. <laughs> exactly. Cause I kind of have analysis by paralysis where I'm like, mm-hmm. nope, the other way paralysis by analysis where I'm like thinking too much. It's gotta be this cool, really cool recipe, whatever. The reality is, is people want simple things they can do in an hour or less on a weeknight with a baby, um, and a full-time job. And that's, mm-hmm. that's my life. And so yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to put more of that into the world and to actually, you know, give people what they're looking for. And so I love the simplicity and not overthinking and just showing up in the consistency and all that. So, um, stay tuned guys for some recipes. I'm my goal is one a month, maybe more, but probably not. Cause it's not even, you know, you write, you can create the food, but sometimes it's hard to get it on the website. So right. that's my goal. Um, and I'm feeling good about it. I'm feeling really, really happy with our tribe and this community and the podcast and where it's going to go. And so I'm just jazzed. I'm jazzed too. It's funny that you're talking about like that feedback from your, your people, because I did my little top nine thing like everybody else on the planet mm-hmm. did. Um, and it's like my top things were memes, like quotes, which I'm like, I didn't really know those were going to be so popular. Um, and then like food pictures with my dog. So like, why am I even taking beautiful photos? Because nobody cares. <laughs> and then like baby stuff, like Camille, you know, like mm-hmm. that's what people are interested in. So it's funny to kind of really see like what people really are like responding to. Yeah, so, I love it. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be fun. It'll be, it's going to be a good year. I'm excited. Um, and on that note, leading into the new year, another big one for me was to give myself grace. Um, I don't think I struggled with this last year, but I know there, there were moments where I did just in terms of feeling guilty, like I'm not doing enough or I'm not showing up enough or I'm not present enough. And so I think this is a perfect time leading into the new year to talk about mom guilt, which is the topic of this episode. Um, and this actually, our episode comes from like directly from a question we got from a listener. Um, and her question was, I might as well just dive into that and we can kind of just go from there, but she's, she wants to know about our thoughts on mom guilt. So adjusting to being a first time mom and the feeling that you will never get lifetime back. How can, and I love, she said she put in parentheses, just keeping it real here. <laughs> How can you build any sort of predictability, self-care, eating into life with a newborn or a baby at really any age? Cause you and I are still very much dealing with this. Um, how does anyone have time to work out? Do people just wait for nap time and then get as much done as they can? So these are all very real things. And, and it kind of goes into this concept of, of mom guilt and that like feeling as though you can't do it all. And that's somehow a problem. Oh, and self-care specifically, you take time for yourself and in doing so you're taking time away from your child or your spouse or your work. And then in that way, you, there's guilt that's attached to it. So we kind of just wanted to dive into this whole concept of, of mom guilt specifically when it comes to taking time for yourself, um, or making decisions on a daily basis, whether it's sleep or first foods or feeding your kid or whatever, propping your kid up or doing things that might make it things easier. So um, yeah. So let's talk about yeah. mom guilt. What are your thoughts? God, there's so much to talk about. in just this little short question, mm-hmm. um, there's so many angles and there's so many, there's so much that changes in terms of how you would answer this question based on where you are in your motherhood journey. Like mm-hmm. for example, like newborn life, it's completely different you know, when you have a newborn, we're talking like probably like the first three months of life versus when you have a 17 month old, um, like I do. And it's like, 
when you're in the, that phase of life, it feels sometimes like it's never ending or like the things that you feel guilty about feels like you're always going to feel this way because this is the way life is going to be forever. But it's not true. I mean, you know that now, like you're at six months, you don't feel the same way about your motherhood journey at six months as you did when you were four weeks postpartum. Right. Um, so there's just a lot that goes into it. And for me, like the first question I kind of want to talk a little bit about is just guilt itself. And you guys, like I struggle with this. I struggle with this heavily. My first, um, with my first kiddo, um, in that postpartum phase, because there was just a lot of things going into it that I really didn't expect, um, or didn't prepare for, or just wasn't my, my expectations, what I had prior to like having bear, like the reality of the situation wasn't what I expected. Like in my mind, I thought it was going to be baby sleeping in crib, baby smiling at me, us like going places like bopping around town with like, you know, I don't know, just, it was completely different. Um, and so for me, this is something I've learned through therapy is just when you're talking about guilt, true guilt versus false guilt and why, why false guilt, I want to say, which is what most of us feel a lot, um, really isn't something that is useful. Um, false guilt being like, I'm trying to think of a good example. Let's talk about true guilt. So true, true guilt being like my actions or my behaviors have truly are truly responsible for negative consequences for myself or somebody else. Right? Like there Mm -hmm. are things that we can truly feel guilty about. We can apologize for and make amends for, and that we need to, but then there are other things like, like for example, taking self care, like taking time for self care. Like I'm going to go to um, the gym for an hour because it's something that really serves me and it's going to help me. But then the whole time feeling guilty about it because maybe because you went to the gym you're, you weren't able to spend time with your baby and now your baby is going to be scarred for life because y'all didn't have that <laughs> quality time or whatever. Like that's, I mean, it sounds funny to say it, but like, that's kind of the, it's pretty common, the rhetoric that people have, right. Mm-hmm. When they take time for themselves, um, is that, you know, me t- doing this is just going to impact my kiddo so negatively. Um, and that's, to me, that's false guilt because it's like, it's not, it's not an hour a day for yourself. It's not really going to in the scheme of things, harm your child. So that's kind of my first thought. Going and, and, and on that same note, like even true guilt is not serving anybody like yeah. guilt as a, as a thing. Like, I guess it serves you if it prompts you to make amends, like mm-hmm. you said, but holding on to any sort of guilt, like yeah. once you've made amends and you've apologized and you've tried to make up for it or whatever the case may be, like letting go of guilt is, it's just so important, mm-hmm. um, for being the best you and for loving yourself and, and along those lines, like with this, the, like especially the false guilt, taking time to go to the gym, taking time to, uh, take a nice long shower, like whatever it is, those things that before we have kids, sometimes we think is just like, those are the things that we do. And then all of a sudden the things that we do that we're so much a part of who we are and taking care of ourselves become something that to, and to provoke this guilt. And it's just, um, it's not serving you. And it's also not serving your kiddos right. or your other relationships in life. And this is one thing that I really like, I think my, one of my biggest takeaways from this past year is that I cannot please everybody. Um, and the only people that truly, truly matter in terms of on a daily basis that I need to please are my husband and my child mm-hmm. and, and, um, yourself. and of course, <laughs> and, and, and only in, in taking care of myself, can I really do that? Can I show up for them? Mm-hmm. So I've had people tell me that I'm, you know, like family or whatever, I've had, I've had some relationships kind of suffer this year a little bit because I have not been able to show up for everybody people. And so for me, that's something that, yeah, it's kind of a bummer, but at the same time, I'm not sorry because I know that in order to take care of my daughter, which she's my first priority right now, I need to take care of myself. And in order for her to have a good life, I need to take care of my relationship with my husband. And so those things come first. And so, and, and I, and I I genuinely feel that people in, in our lives that don't understand that or can't understand that, um, at this phase for me specifically, they don't have a space in my tribe (laughs) and it sounds harsh, but, and there's an ebb and flow in life and a year from now, two years from now, maybe that there'll be some rekindling and things will be better. But, but I just know that I have my family unit and, um, have to take care of myself to take care of them. 
If I, I need to go to the gym a few days a week, I need to get outside and walk. I need to feed myself well. And if I don't do those things, I, and I need to sleep. What? <laughs> and if I don't, you need to sleep? I <laughs> and if I don't do those things on a regular basis, then, then my relationship with my husband's going to suffer. My, my daughter will suffer in her own way. And so I think it's just a constant concept of like, we cannot hold on to this guilt because we will not be able to show up for the people that really matter to us. So when taking care of ourselves, we're taking care of others. And it's like this beautiful cycle of love. What do you think? No. And as you're talking, I'm just thinking, because like I mentioned before with bear, um, it was just a completely different experience. And I think guilt as a mother versus guilt as a partner or guilt as a, a coworker or an employee or something like that. It's completely different because it is so deeply personal because it's part of your identity, like on a deep level. And so when you feel like you're not doing it all, quote unquote, um, or I don't know, guilt as a mother is hard um, because it really, really sticks with you that the weight of what you're doing in terms of like shaping a young child, like if you do feel like you've messed up in some way, um, you know, it's really hard to move on for that, or at least it was for me. But what I can say is that with my first kiddo, I can, I was just a mess. I was, I was a mess. I'm just, there's no other way to put it. Um, as a second time mom, um, it's completely different. Not saying I don't feel guilt because I do. Um, especially when I brought the second one into the world and, you know, you feel guilt about the first one, um, not getting attention and all that stuff, but it's really the first one, (laughs) poor bear. God bless him. He has, has been my greatest teacher. He's also, you know, we learn from each other a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he's new at being a human and I'm new at being a mom. And, um, it sounds sad, but not really like that. He had to kind of go through a lot of my worst quote unquote mistakes, um, to teach me, you know, how to be better for Camille. Um, and I feel like, but in turn, in general, as a mom now with two kiddos, it should be harder for me. In a lot of ways, it's easier because I, he's taught me so much. I don't know. I'm kind of rambling if that makes Does that make sense? No, it makes a, a lot of sense. I think there's, I got goosebumps actually. There's some magic in that and that um, he taught you how to be a better mom. But I, I feel from an outside perspective who knows you pretty well that I, in, in a way going through that maybe has brought more self-love to your world too. Like, oh, yeah you've learned to give yourself grace and you love yourself more. And and he's an incredible kid now, like incredible. And so, um, that's not in spite of anything that's, but that's because of you as a parent. So that's really cool. Totally. And I truly feel like our kiddos, I just kind of get a little woo woo here, but I truly feel like we're given our individual kiddos for a reason. And sometimes it's because of what we need as a person to grow And sometimes it's, you know, what they need as a a unique individual person we have to offer. Like we are the only people on the earth that can be that parent for that kid. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm getting like kind of emotional. I don't know why. I know you're making me emotional. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, because that's you. Yeah. And we're chosen to be that person. Bear is hard. Bear is really hard. And there are times when, you know, especially in the beginning, the first two years of life, I was like, just beside myself thinking like, I can't do this. Like I cannot parent this kid. He's so hard. He's difficult. Like this is harder than anything else I've ever had to do. Um, you know, I had him not, I wasn't old by any means, but you know, I was, I just about to turn 30. So my life completely changed and I was not prepared for it. It's like, you know, you're saying a lot of times this person specifically asking like, how do you eat food? How do you um, work out? How do you shower? Mine was like, basically like, how do I even like function as a person doing the daily routines that I used to do, um, now with the kiddo. And I couldn't figure it out. Um, cause I had so much guilt about doing that stuff. Um, the first go around, but now it's just, I made it through that. <laughs> we both survived. Like you said, he's a great kid. We're still learning, but I made it through that. And so now in the second time around, I'm able to, when I start feeling like, Oh my gosh, I can't do this. I can take a deep breath. I can look back. I know that everything is not permanent, even no matter what you're going through when it feels like, you know, for instance, sleep stuff. It's like, Oh my my God, it's been two days and they've woken up more times than they ever have. I know now it's not permanent Mm -hmm. though. Then it didn't feel that way. Do you know what I mean? 
hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. I'm really rambling right now. No, I think you're sharing your truth. And I think that's awesome. And I think everyone will appreciate that as I do. Um, you've been so helpful for me as a mom. (laughs) Um, and, and I think a big thing that we can always do is, is flip the script. And this is something that I've learned through my work with therapists as well. And just in terms of like, we take whatever the thing is, that we somehow hold on to guilt for, um, because we think that we were at fault or whatever, whatever it is. Right. And there's always a way to flip the script. So let's say for instance, we can just take a, a sleep. Right. And so last night Evie was waking up like every two hours. Right. Um, and at one point she woke up again the next hour and I, in my gut, I was, she's teething and, and I know like crying in arms is important and all that is important, but I felt in that moment that I wanted to nurse her. So I nursed her back to sleep pretty much every time. My husband's was able to soothe her twice. And so then I've got guilt like, oh, I didn't let her cry, cry in arms. I didn't let her process. I just nursed her. But no matter what I had chosen, I can flip the script and whatever action we chose in that moment using our gut in some ways helping our child. I soothed her when she was in pain and I don't feel in, in the moment I was kind of questioning myself. But now I look back and I'm like, that's what I felt that she needed and obviously what I needed at the time. It helped me. I knew that I didn't have the capacity in the moment to sit and hold her and let her cry. And so I nursed her back to sleep. She was back to sleep. She woke up. And so, but then if I had held her and let her cry, there might be guilt about, oh man, is this, is this actually a processing cry or is she in pain? Is she hungry? Then there's a guilt there. And so it's like, no matter what choices we make as parents, there's going to be guilt. So what you, what I try to always go back to is in that moment, I did what I thought was best. And in some way it served my child and or myself, you know, um, and, and that's the best way to look at it. And, you know, there's things like she has MTHFR and I know that that's because of a mutation that I have as a parent, I passed that to her. And so I could feel guilt for that, or I could flip the script and say, Hey, I've taken really good care of my body and her body and, and, and her stress levels and her, and her as a little human. And so she has no symptoms, right. Or she's got fewer symptoms or whatever the case may be is like, we can, we can look at a situation and we can blame ourselves for something, or we can look at the positives and Hey, it could be, it could be worse. She could be very, like she'd have all these symptoms. She could be super sick, but she's not. And that's because of something that I've done. And so I just think the flip the script thing for me has been so huge because it's just all about perspective and being present in that moment and thinking like, okay, here's what I've done. That's actually great. And this is why my child is so blessed to have me. And this is why we are the perfect pair. And this is why I was chosen to be her mom. And she was chosen to be my child. And even if things are awful, um, it's an opera. Then when things are really bad, that's an opportunity to improve. And so now you have this like space to better yourself or what, you know, whatever the case may be. So I, that's obviously easier said than done. But (laughs) it is a tool that sometimes, even if it's not in the moment, you can't, like, it's not possible. We can always, maybe we can look back on something if we're holding on to guilt Mm -hmm. and it's a tool to help let go. And it's something I've used at least weekly, um, as a parent. And I think that it's, you know, it's really helped me. And I used it before I got pregnant because I needed that, um, to forgive myself for years without a period, all the damage I'd done to my body, holding on to that guilt, it wasn't serving me. And in letting that go, then I got my fertility back. So it's just kind of like this, there's always, it's always perspective and, uh, it might seem cliche, but it's, it's a powerful tool. I love that. The flip the script. I saw that on the the notes and I was like, I'm really like interested in what you're going to say. And I, I think that's beautiful because it's like you said, no matter what decision you can make, you make about parenting in general, you can always question it. Even if it's like, I don't know. Like you said, it's like you're doing aware parenting, you're practicing it beautifully and you're crying in arms is one of those things. And you can still question that. Like, is this really a processing thing? Um, so it's, and on that same note, like if aware parenting, as we've just talked about it on this podcast, like this isn't an aware parenting mm-hmm. podcast. And I want to make sure that's clear too. Like if you've tried that and it just, it's not working for you, then that's also okay. Yeah. And so I think that it's important that like, I don't, um, I think I've mentioned this in the past about not being great at like, becoming, um, a part of any, I'm a little bit rebellious. (laughs) And so I don't like to say I'm like a part of any specific group or whatever it is, except for this tribe. (laughs) So you'll claim um, us. (laughs) Yeah. There's no right or wrong way to parent. We do what we do out of love. And I think that's, what's most important. So yeah, sorry, I cut you off. No, no. I was, I mean, I'm glad you said that. Cause it's like, when I think about, um, as a new parent, even especially a first time parent, it's like, there's no, 
you don't know what the hell you're doing. <laughs> so you're looking for something, someone to tell you what to do. And that's why, or someone that's like some style, some sleeping thing, some book that's going to just like tell you everything that you need to know about feeding, about sleeping, about, you know, discipline and all this stuff. And it, the reality is it's not out there. And so for me, I remember distinctly, um, reading baby wise before bear was born. And, um, I'm not for or against baby wise. I use a lot of the things there now, you know, from that technique or whatever. Um, and some of the things I'm just like, whatever, just forget about that. But like mm-hmm. when I first went into, it, I was like, I have to do baby wise. Like I have to do it exactly. Like it says it, you know? And when I didn't, I was like, Oh my God, like I have all these <laughs> friends that did baby wise and it worked perfectly for them. And I'm not doing it. And I'm a failure and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's the whole guilt thing, but it's like, now, again, in hindsight, looking back and also going forward with the second kid, it's like, I know there were some powerful tools there. I take that. I take what served me and what helped me. Mm-hmm. And then now I'm able to say, some of that is not going to work for me. It's not going to work for me. It's not going to work for my family. It's not going to work for this particular child either. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like individual differences. And I think that's a huge part of growth as a mother is A, picking and choosing what works for you. Um, B, knowing when to let go of things that aren't serving you. Um, Mm -hmm. And then C, again, releasing the guilt when it's like you tried something, it didn't work, and now you're moving on to something else. Yeah. You know? A hundred percent. And that just inspired me to to mention the concept of like just the empowerment that that comes from following your gut. And motherhood is such a vulnerable time, especially uh, the early months and years where you, like we talked about, there's all this guilt. And so... Sometimes like, and I understand like people can, people have such wisdom and they want to share it. But, um, I think it's just important that we also kind of tune into our own gut instincts and what feels right in that moment. And because there are so many resources out there telling us like what's right and what's wrong as a parent, or you're going to mess your kid up or you're not or whatever. Um, we lose touch with the ability sometimes to listen to our instincts and the same goes, you know, it's just like with uh, pregnant with labor and delivery, as women, we've kind of had our instincts stripped away and that it's just oftentimes the, the medicalized birth tells us to just listen to the doctor. Um, and you do what they say and you get this drug and you get hooked up to this thing and that's fine for some moms, but also I think it's important that we listen to our instincts and we, we are meant to do this in some capacity, most of us or whatever, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like we have it in us to love, to love a little human so strongly that we, our instinct will tell us how to keep that baby thriving. Um, and so whether a book says this is the right or wrong way, if it's working for you and you guys are happy and your kid is loved and you are loving on yourself, then, then that's what you need right now. And that's what I have to have to tell myself because I get hung up on stuff like wanting to follow the, and I, and I am a huge advocate of aware parenting mm-hmm. and it's worked magically for me for, from the beginning. But there are moments when I just don't think that I'm, I want to listen to, um, someone else when inside my heart, I feel like this is actually what needs to happen in this moment. Mm-hmm. And also like the, it's not broke. Don't fix it. If things are working uh, and you're happy and your kiddo is happy, then, uh, then roll with it and, and feeling guilt for, for, for your actions when that's what your instinct is telling you to do. It's just, it's not, it's not fair to you. It's not fair to your partner. It's not fair to your baby. And, um, yeah, that's, that's my thoughts there. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> we're just like, we're just like, I'm fired up, <laughs> fired up today. And it's funny. Cause I was actually looking back on the question. I was like, I don't think we've actually answered this answered question. The question. <laughs> <laughs> we're just like uh, on our, 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 Whatever. I can't think of the word right now. I haven't yeah, had enough Our problem. new year high. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but just to kind of hone in on some of these specifics, um, this one, you know, and I feel like this is so common. First time mom feeling like you'll never get your life back. Um, you know, this one, I don't think she has a newborn in anymore because this question was from a while back. But, um, you know, let's talk about newborn reality versus expectation. Yeah. Um, and Laura, I'll let you go first because you are more recently in that realm, but I do have thoughts on it. So, I mean, what would you say to a mama now coming out on the other side of newborn? Cause remember those days, it's like, they don't some, most of the time, I know Evie was a good sleeper, but they're not sleeping well. They're not sleeping on any sort of like predictable schedule, which is totally normal. They're eating a lot. You barely have time to shower, you know, I think you're kind of taking it back to, um, expectation and, mm-hmm. 
my reality met my expectation pretty closely because I had done some prep work and I was prepared to lounge around and snuggle that kid and nurse her all the time and, and sleep while we snuggled. And I was totally okay with letting go of everything. People fed me, people cleaned my house. People did, my husband would bring me water. Like it was, it was magic. And I had, I wanted to set up my world immediately postpartum to be that because I didn't want to go back to my old life. Mm-hmm. And, and I still don't, um, you still want to be fed and uh, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, Just kidding. I had to make that joke. <laughs> I've got a little bit more of a handle on and actually I'm at the point now where I'm like, we talked my husband, and I talked about a lot about this with like 2018 goals that we actually did a love language quiz. Mm-hmm. And last year when I was pregnant and like morning sick and all that, my number one was acts of service. And this year it's, it's quality time. And so I just, and we match up this year, every single one was in line. And so it's funny because now I finally feel like I've got a hand, like I can take care of myself and my child <laughs> with his help, obviously. But, mm-hmm. um, so it's just funny how that shifted. But yeah, in those immediate weeks postpartum, I knew even that early on when I was only like a couple, three months in that I was going to need to be taken care of. And that was going to be my love language. And so for someone who's been pretty a type her whole life, that was kind of huge for me, but I didn't want to have a baby and then get my old life back right away. Um, and I was okay with, uh, taking care of myself by allowing other people to take care of me, if that makes sense. So I think that that's one thing. It's like, what, what is your expectation going into it? Cause the reality is, uh, I don't know if this is tough love or whatever that like you, you, you're not going to get your life back right away. And your life is going to be very different because now you have this tiny human that you've delivered and that you are keeping alive that is so helpless and all that baby wants is to be loved and held and fed mm-hmm. <laughs> all the time and so it's kind of giving into that but then in embracing it for me it was just like I, I the oxytocin from like the nursing and the snuggling and the if like giving into that or letting myself get into that and I think back because we had a really rough night of sleep last night and she's six months and I was like what the heck and I found myself getting frustrated but then I'm trying to remember back to those early nights when it was like really, we didn't get a lot of sleep and, and I was so okay with it. So what makes it so that I can't be okay with that now? Mm-hmm. So again, it's like the perspective of and what she needs something from me at this phase and kind of t- trying to embrace that versus being frustrated by the fact that it's messing with my, my, my life, <laughs> you know, my, my routine. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. I don't know if that was kind of a ramble, but, um, those are my thoughts. What about you? No, that was great. Um, I, I feel the same way. So the difference between you and I though, is that I did not, um, set my self up to be in the reality of a newborn the first go round. Um, I just didn't, I was kind of naive about the whole situation. I guess nobody had really told me how hard it was going to be, which is a blessing sometimes, but also like, man, I wish someone would have told me like these hard things. Cause it's like when you're pregnant and you're happy and everything's like, you're so excited. You don't want to hear like, Oh my God, like it's really, really hard. Like, you know, you're not going to like, and yeah, people, that me off when people tell me that. Yeah. And people <laughs> would even tell me that, but like, you're, you just don't really understand what that, what it really feels like to be like sleep deprived or, um, to not shower for a couple days or whatever. So in some ways you can't really prepare totally for it, at least mentally. But I feel like if you're listening to this podcast, you can take, I guess, take this as something that you really should not, I hate saying the word, word should, but would be helpful if you're going into your first kiddo, you're about to deliver or you're newly pregnant, um, where setting up like the meal train, setting up um, the expectation that you are not going to get anything done. And you might, you should, to me, I know this sounds terrible, set your expectations super low in terms of productivity. Mm-hmm. I mean, expect that like you're not going to have the energy or the desire to want to do dishes or to fold or to clean the house or to make dinner or whatever. Um, and prepare for that. And on the off chance that you feel great and you have energy and time to do it. Fantastic. Like that's wonderful. Go for it. But on the, you know, very real chance that you may not want to do any of that or be able to physically, um, at least now you have your bases covered and you can just relax into that reality. Um, I didn't do that with the first one, which is why it was so hard. Um, and even with Camille, I set myself up a little bit better 
because I'd already been through it, but not as well as I could have. So not that I have any plans to have a third kiddo, but if I were (laughs) to have a third kiddo, I can truly say I would pay money for someone to come clean my house. I would have a meal train, which I didn't have with Camille, but I did do a lot of like meal prep ahead of time, but I would just do above and beyond to just make sure that I was taken care of. I, me, my, as a person, not necessarily my kiddo because they're going to get taken care of if I'm taken care of, but that, mm-hmm. you know, does that make sense? Totally. We did an episode number on set on your tribe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll link to that because we talked a lot about ways to set yourself up for, for, I don't want to say success cause that implies that there's failure. There's no yeah. failure, but, um, set yourself up to be supported. Um, and I think in just setting that stuff up mentally, you are then at least you're doing some like mental processing for what life is going to be like after where I think sometimes, and this isn't any woman's fault. This is a lot of like media and all the classes, everything's so focused on the labor and delivery. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we don't think much past that because it's like this big event. It's like you're training for a marathon, but then what, what happens right after you take home a baby mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have to be able to take care of that little one. And the only way to do that is to take care of yourself. So, um, in those early weeks, it's just, however you can set yourself up to, to, um, be taken care of and not feel guilt when people are taking care of you. That's a whole nother thing, you know, uh, enjoy that. Embrace that. People like to take care of new moms. It's a very instinctual. It's very tribal. It's very primal. And so let them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I feel like if there's nothing else that I want to like teach my friends and family members, because people do like to do it, but they also, I feel like it's this conflicting message in today's society is that, yeah, we could take care of her, but like, that quote unquote do it all thing. Like she's probably, she can do it. Like she can do the laundry. She can, you know, cook the meals. She can keep the house clean. Like there's like kind of, it's kind of like 50, 50, like half the people think that you should be able to do everything. And then the other half like want to support you and you know, whatever. And so and I feel fortunate because I'm surrounded by that second half. Yeah. And maybe it's because I would tell someone off if they told me the first. Right. But you've cultivated, you've cultivated that mm-hmm. tribe very selectively, not saying that I haven't or that other people haven't, but, um, I think a lot of it has to do with, um, culture of, you know, where you live, you know, yeah. what your parents And I have a lot with. of, most of my friends have kids where some right. people are the first, maybe the first of their friend group or their family mm-hmm. or whatever to have a baby. And so no one really gets it. You yeah. can't get it. That's done. hard. I mean, I didn't get it. Like for my friends that went before me, there wasn't a lot, but it's like, why can't they come out at eight o'clock? We're going to dinner. Like we've always done this before. Like it's no big deal. Just bring the kid. It's like, now I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) like that's not happening. Um, I totally get it. But, um, and then in terms of the other stuff, so like working out, um, and, and, and getting stuff done during naps, I guess, yeah, you've got to find the flow. And it depends on the kid. I can sometimes, I can lay Evie down and do like a really quick five minute sandbag or kettlebell workout while she's laying right there and she watches and it's fine. Or my husband's home and I can get to the gym and I understand that I have some flexibility because the gym's across the street and my husband coaches there and whatnot. But, um, movement doesn't have to be, I think a big thing with guilt is we feel as women, first off, there's the get your body back Mm -hmm. BS. Second off, there's the, if you're not working out, you're lazy and lethargic and a glutton and whatnot, where movement could simply be holding your baby and doing like 10 squats to the couch and stand back up squatting throughout the day. When you need to pick something up, hold your baby, squat down, pick it up. It just, it just has to be movement, walking, wearing your baby. We don't have to, especially this time of year, man, it drives me nuts. People are like, get in, you have to get to the gym five days a week and you have to be in a pool of sweat and you have to go on the elliptical when really there's far more benefit from benefit from a 30 minute walk wearing your kid and then doing as many squats as you can throughout the day, you know? Um, and so the gym thing, and I'm a very much a gym person, like a lot of my life has in career and success have been built around CrossFit. But I also think that the message of CrossFit and and of true health is that we move functionally and we get it in when we can throughout the day. And the second, the second you start feeling guilt or, um, stress because you're not working out, um, or feeling guilt when you are taking an hour at the gym. It's like those things kind of counteract stress is far more detrimental to our health than not going to the gym. Right. So find movement that works for you playing with your kids down and up they fall down, get on the ground, get back up. And that is, you're going to get as much 
benefit from that as you would for an hour in the gym, maybe more because you're doing it all day versus like maybe sitting a lot of the day and then just taking one hour to work out. If you're cognizant of it throughout the day, you'll probably end up working out more and it'll be more beneficial. So, and it'll be more functional. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. But then on the flip side of it too, um, and I, this is not just to working out, this is to anything that you're struggling with, whether that's like cooking healthy food or meal prep or, you know, working out, being productive. It's, um, my personal story with bear. I I hadn't worked out. I did not work out postpartum with him for till now, basically. Um, and so that's years I took Mm -hmm. a break from working out, not because I didn't really want to, um, you know, there, I mean, I didn't really want to because mentally I couldn't do that, but it was what you were saying. It, getting to the gym was more stressful to me than the benefit that I felt leaving afterward. Um, and it was just something I had to let go of for the time. Um, it was something that wasn't serving me in the way that I wanted it to. And so I let go of it. Um, and that's just what happened. That's what had to happen for me to move forward and function. But Laura, for you, I mean, working out is something that serves you so deeply, um, on a, in a mental level that if that's what it is for you, if working out is something that you know, that has to happen for you to be the best version of yourself, then the harsh reality of it is that you just have to make it happen. Whatever, yeah. whatever way that's going to happen, whether that's going to the gym, whether that's doing a home, a quick home workout, and it's changing your mindset behind what is a workout. Like yes. it's not two hours at gold's gym, I mean, if this is what makes you happy, great, make it happen. But it doesn't have to be two hours at Gold's Gym every day. Um, It can be something very simple. And that's been hard for me as a CrossFitter to let go of that mentality of that can be present in some gyms and just work on showing up, Mm -hmm. doing something, and building on that that progress, like little by little every day and knowing that it's like, it's in a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's not like I'm going to wake up tomorrow after two weeks of working out and be like fit, you know, because I feel like we have that mindset and that's when most people are like, well, I can't do it. I can't show up five times a week. So I might, so as, well not, not. I might as well not. Do yeah. That. Um, sorry. That was another ramble too. I feel like this is a lot of rambling. Was that helpful? <laughs> it was very helpful. I, I love it. And I think that also a lot of times the gym gets this dogma of like, or stigma of Hey, like I need to earn my food or I, it's like, it becomes like a punisher. Mm -hmm. So there's another way to flip the script, like move throughout the day and use that movement to benefit yourself, to love on yourself, to move more functionally, to be able to put more years on your life, take better care of yourself and then therefore take better care of your little ones. So that's definitely been something for me that like, I never, I haven't in a long time looked at the gym as a punishment, but there was like working out on holidays and all that. And now, um, if I've got my priority, my priority shifted, if I'm really stressed out, I know that I'll benefit more from 30 minutes walking in the, under the trees in the, in the sun than going into a building and exercising hard at high intensity, mm-hmm. even for 10. So I'm learning a lot about my body. Thanks to my daughter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because she's kind of pushed me to learn how can I best take care of myself because I want to be the best for her. And so I like that. I love that motherhood's done that for me where now, um, I can go, I just, I know I have a, I'm more in tune with how, what my body needs and when it needs it. And I know sometimes that going to the gym might push me, my stress levels over the edge because no matter what, like exercising at high intensity is a stressor and oftentimes it's great, but sometimes it's too much. And so I'm learning like today was, I didn't sleep all last night, as I've mentioned a few times. And, um, the workout today was like a lot of running and just like pretty uncomfortable and long. And so I went in and I said, Hey, I'm not doing the class. And I just did some deadlifts and some accessory work and I felt great and it just felt good to move. And I knew that doing a hard, hard workout wouldn't have served me. So just figuring out what's going to serve you and, and doing it in small doses. And one week you might not get to the gym the next week, maybe it'll be once the next week, maybe four times. And then another week where you don't, but if you can move throughout the day, then, then that's that movement. Any one squat, is better than no squats. Mm-hmm. So anything you get it throughout the day. Myself, it's been a long <laughs> journey. I'm, I'm going to tell yeah. you as someone, I know Laura, you're, you've shared parts of your story. Like I was 
every day, like five days a week, five to six days a week, I go to the six o'clock CrossFit class. This was pre-kids. I was there for an hour. I would hang out for like 30 minutes afterwards, like chilling, whatever, go home, cook dinner, whatever. Like I had this in my mindset, like this is working out. This is how I stay healthy. Um, and now I love that you shared that you kind of adjusted based on how you were feeling. Like this past week, okay, TMI, but I was on my period and I got, I went, went to the point where I got dressed and I was like outside about to lift weights and I was just tired. I was, I didn't feel well. Like my stomach hurt. I just, you know, felt like people feel when they're in that, this point in their cycle. And I just decided not to do it. I was like, I have time. I could do it. Or I could listen to my body, which it probably wouldn't have been a productive session. And I just went and sat on the couch. <laughs> And relaxed. So it's, I feel like learning to listen to yourself, to your body, to your mind, to your needs is one of the hardest things to do as a mother because you're so focused on like taking care of everybody else. Um, you know, does that make sense? Like, totally. Yeah. It's, it's a gift and it's something that I've been working on a lot. But if you can just really focus on just listening to yourself. I feel like that's such a huge game changer. Yeah. And and if you decide not to go work out, framing it in the context of like, I listened to my body. I didn't want to work out instead of blaming something, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like you were in tune. You're not like blaming your period. You're mm-hmm. like, Hey, I knew that this is what I needed. So I'm grateful that I have the opportunity to just skip out and know that I can pick it up tomorrow or the next mm-hmm. day or whatever. Versus like, I think so, we get in the trap sometimes of blaming like, oh, I'm so, I didn't sleep well, so I didn't get a good workout. It's my kid's fault. Mm-hmm. Or it's like parent, being a mom is like, it's, you know, and then it just, that builds negativity. So instead of blaming my kid or whoever for the lack of sleep or blaming myself because I didn't set her up last night to sleep well or blame or guilt, switching it to, hey, today I don't feel that great. I'm not going to do the class. I'm going to do my own thing or I'm going to just stay on the couch. I'm going to hang out. I'm going to lay low. I'm going to de-stress because I have made that choice proactively to take care of myself right. um, versus like being a martyr to something that's, ha- that's not necessarily in your control. Right. And I, so I just think that's really huge in terms of the whole, the, one of the best ways to flip the switch is just to take, um, I don't know, take control in a good way of like, I've got this opportunity to make choices to better my own life versus blaming anyone or, or anything for things that aren't great. Right. So, and that's also been good for my relationship with my husband. Yeah. <laughs> it's like looking, trying to look more for the positive when we're both really tired and we're trying to get her down and saying thank you. And just trying to, um, there's times and of course I feel guilty with maybe I haven't treated him great or I've put way more attention onto my kiddo than her, than him. And so just like, I don't know, saying, saying I'm sorry isn't a bad thing. Like you said, when you mean it, but when we walk through life, just always saying, sorry, always feeling guilty for things that are outside of our control, then that's just not serving us or, or the ones we love. So. Right. And I'm glad you kind of mentioned the partner, you know, aspect of it. Cause I know a lot of this is mom guilt, but I think that ties into it as well. I love like, so, uh, you talked about the love language, um, quiz. Well, I took that from you. I copied you and Tim and I Yay. did it for the first time this year. Um, and you know, some of the things were what I would expect, but then some of them were a little bit different. And I think, you know, being able to talk with your partner, being able to understand what they need and what you can really give them in terms of their love language or whatever, um, is huge. And it's, if you don't have that conversation or if you don't know what they need, or if they're feeling neglected and they don't feel like they can talk to you and they kind of just hold it in or like you build up that resentment, um, you know, I think that's, that's a disservice to your partnership. Um, if you can't talk about it and I feel like that's another way to prepare for possibly minimizing the negative impact of what it can mean to have a a newborn or a a child now in your relationship. Because some people, if they don't prepare for that aspect of how it is going to change your relationship, um, then that can be a huge issue, right? Mm -hmm. Like I know a lot of people go through some really tough times when, um, a kiddo is born or two kids or whatever, just because they haven't really learned to evolve, their partnership, um, you know, to adjust to that, that change. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know, again, this is rambling, but like take the love language cause it sounds 
quiz. It sounds cheesy, but like it's, it's so super awesome. insightful. Um, and then one of our top goals together, because we always set goals like partner goals together and then individual. And like our top one is to remember the other's love language and try to speak it often. And that just like having that reminder at the beginning of each year and then kind of hold it. And we both remembered all year long. We talked about it throughout the year. And I think it's just, it's, it's a really cool tool. So it's, you don't need to have read the book or anything to take the quiz. It super is. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. It was, it mm-hmm. took like five minutes and then we talked about it and it's like, you know, someone can think that you want to be like, especially Kim's in there, but um, you know, you can think that a partner wants to be, like kissed or hugged or touched or whatever, um, a lot. And maybe that was true before kids, or maybe that was true six months ago or a year ago. But like, maybe now that's like something that's just like, you're touched out and like, that's Mm -hmm. not how you're receiving love. And so maybe now it's like, you don't, not that you don't care about kisses or hugs or whatever, but like what would really, really, really make you happy and feel loved is if someone did the dishes for you. And it's just not like communicated, Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's huge. I don't know. I feel like that's communication what... is so big and so it alleviates so much guilt because if you talk about it, even if you don't actually say sorry, it's just talking about it can take away some of that, which yeah. I love. So. And I, and even from the partner aspect in terms of this specific question, um, you know, I, I take it, we can kind of take it for granted. I think, I mean, I guess I don't take it for granted cause I really appreciate it, but I can almost assume that everyone has the same support that I have in my partnership. Um, I feel very lucky to have that, to have a partner that's very aware and that's very willing to like be there and show up and do those things. Um, but I feel like maybe people don't have that. I think a lot of people don't have that, but in terms of, you know, quote unquote, getting time to yourself or wanting to go work out, um, it's going to take the harsh reality of it's going to take coordination between you and your partner to make some of these things happen. And if they're not on board, um, or even aware, then yeah, it's going to be 10 times harder to like have any sort of normalcy or structure or productivity in your day, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, it's almost essential that your partner is on board to make everyone Mm-hmm. everything running smoother for and instance about this before yeah we had a rough life night last night and i woke up this morning and he had to get up early and he went and coached and he got home about nine o'clock and when i got up i like got on the computer and texted you and like just was like we need to do something to help support her to sleep better so we all sleep better so we're just better yeah. <laughs> as a unit so right when he got home i just talked his ear off about our plan and like the goal was to get her to have a consistent like a solid nap in her crib at 10 a.m and so he, it was nine o'clock, whatever. I was nursed her. I finished up some work and then I was going to go to the gym. And so he took her into the back room and I heard her crying and I said, <gasps> took a breath and I went to the gym and I got home and she, the door was shut and it was silent and he finally came out. So then I got food and prepped and I got a bunch of emails answered and then he came out and he's like, she slept for 75 minutes. And I have never, like, I wanted to jump his bones. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. You never said anything more sexy. <laughs> yeah. But just having him like step up and know that this is what we needed as a family so badly. And he took the reins and he let her cry and he held and he had, you know, had his hand on her and was able to get her down to sleep. And like in that moment, I didn't need, I couldn't have needed anything more. And so we just like having the constant communication about how we can support each other is so huge. And so I just don't feel guilt because I know that even if like I've said something to hurt him, he would tell me. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not, there's not like the wondering, like, uh, did I hurt his feelings? Is something bothering him? We both come to a point where we know for our relationship's sake, we just need to be super honest with each other and what's serving us and what's not. So there's no guilt because if something's bugging him, he tells me I can apologize and fix it. And then, then there's no guilt. Well, that's <laughs> so it's like, kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. That's a mature relationship. It's so funny. Yeah. Um, that is like the hallmark of a mature relationship is being able to, talk about things and you know, that need to be talked about. It's funny because we were watching shameless last night. I don't know if you watch, do you watch shameless? I haven't. No, it's a, it's a hilarious show, but it was just this little snippet. It was like two teens. They were must've been like 15 or 16, but it was like, they're this tumultuous, like, you don't love me. You're supposed to chase after me. <laughs> like relationship. Did you want to break up with me? And it's like, Tim and I were both laughing. Cause it's like, we both remember being that way. Right. Mm-hmm. When you're like a teenager and it's like, you just don't have the emotional maturity to like really, really be in a relationship. Okay. Most teenagers you're learning. don't. Yeah. You're, you're learning. learning. Um, but we were just laughing and we both looked at each other and we were like, Oh my God, I'm so glad. Like, I'm so glad we're not like in that 
phase of life anymore where we can like talk. Like everything is not just this like overwhelming emotional response. So that's just a little tidbit. If you haven't watched Shameless, it's a hilarious show, but it's a little, little X rated. Right now. So so many life lessons (laughs) learned from Shameless though. (laughs) So good. Well, I think that. Yeah. We pretty much we covered a lot there. Well, and I wanted to touch real quick. I know we're rounding out the hour, but um, she talked about like predictability. Like, do people just get stuff done during nap time? And again, things change. Like, a newborn life is not forever life. Kids do get more predictable. Like, things do get more structured as they get older. You are able to plan a little bit better. And Laura, you and I were just talking about this today as Evie's kind of trying to find some sort of like loose routine in terms of like resting and waking and all that stuff. Um, and for me, that's been huge. That's why, and I'm not a, like a nap Nazi or like a, like everything, like we're in bed at eight, like lights off. I don't want to hear a peep or anything like that, but I do follow a loose rhythm to our day. And for me, that has been, as the kids get older, it has been essential for me to, feel like I can fill my cup back up. So this is just for me. Nap time is a huge chunk of time where I can choose to be productive during that time. If I want to, I can choose to rest. I can choose to work out. I can choose to meal prep. I can do whatever I want to with that time. And it's something that's like, I can almost always bank on. Even if I am pouring myself into my kids all morning, I'm attentive with them. You know, the whole, every time I'm with them, I'm attentive with them because I can, I know that I'm going to, and it sounds terrible, but I'm going to get a break. Like everyone no, it doesn't sound, See, you're, you have you know? guilt over that. You shouldn't. There's right. no guilt. Yeah. Well, should, shouldn't. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't sound terrible. It sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, because people are always like, you, you should give, love. give, give, and then you get that hour. Or two. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I guess it's society. Yeah. You're right. It's like society telling you like, you should love every single moment about parenting and it should be about your kids 24 seven, which to me is bullshit. Do I love my kids more than life itself? Absolutely. Would I do anything for them? Yes. But I also know that I've got to like live the next like however 60 years and I need to like be able to be present and be the best version of myself. And that means that I preserve the sanctity of nap time. And your kids look at you and they watch you on a daily basis. And if it's like constant martyrdom, like I, what was me? My life is hard now because I have you first off. They're going to pick up on that Mm -hmm. animosity towards them. Second off, they're going to be like, Oh, that's how we walk through life. Mm -hmm. Um, as not appreciating ourselves and not loving ourselves. They, they see that. Mm -hmm. So for no other reason, like know that your kids, they learn from us. And so we have to love ourselves so that we, more than anything in the world, we want our kids to love themselves. Right. And so how can they do that if they don't see us loving ourselves? So true. So true. I think I was, I posted about that a while back. It's like, how do I want to show Cammie how to love herself? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, do I want her to teach her to feel guilt about, these things. No, like I want her to be strong, confident person who loves herself. Mm-hmm. And that's, so that's what it's exactly, you know, they learn more from what we are doing mm-hmm. um, than, you know, anything that anything else that they're going to, going to pick up on. So yeah. It's awesome. yeah. And parting words as a mom, again, I'm only almost five years into this, but just try and reframe things when things are hard one thing that's helped me is it's, this is how, this is reality now. This is not forever. Everything can and will change. It will like, no matter what, even if you think you have parenting a six month old down to an art, well, guess what? Next month, they're they're going to be seven months months old and it's going to be different. And sometimes it's better different. Sometimes it's harder, different. Sometimes it's, you know, it's just all relative and you can do hard things. You can get through the hard parts and you can come out the other side. So. And we all grow from it. I love it. Thanks for this one. This is good. This was a good one. It was a lot and of rambling, but yeah. If you guys have other topics like this, you can always email us at modernmamaspodcast at gmail.com. Cause I think we, I think it's best for us to focus on one solid question and, and really get, get into it. So, yeah. um, hopefully you guys like this framework and I'm excited for more. Me too. It was good. I feel yeah. like I've 
got a little therapy sesh there. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> um, all right. Well, you guys can find me, Laura, at laura.radicalroots on Instagram. And Jess is jess.holdthespace. Don't forget about our kick-ass giveaway we've got going on. A lot of the stuff we talked about in this episode you, you know, we, there's, we have kind of like not solutions, but you know, practical, potential answers, yeah. practical. Yeah. Through that giveaway. So, um, you can nourish yourself, you can hydrate yourself, you can exercise at home, you can, you know, have a good read and whatever. So I love it. This is my favorite giveaway that I've ever seen. And I have, we happen to be hosting it. So I'm pretty excited. I wish we could. Uh, win it. <laughs> yeah. So you can check out the show notes for this episode. We both, if you go to either one of our podcasts or our, our websites and hit podcast, you'll see the show notes and it'll have links and it'll have more specific instructions on how to enter that giveaway. Um, I'm myradicalroots.com. Jess is holdthespacewellness.com and uh, find us there and reach out anytime. And we are so grateful for you guys. Yes, ma'am. All right. right. Enjoy the week. We'll talk to you guys soon. Yeah. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, Jess here. Just wanted to give you the heads up on a great deal that we don't want you to miss out on. Laura and I have recently teamed up with our friends at ButcherBox to bring you an amazing offer on premium grass-fed, hormone, and antibiotic-free meats delivered right to your door. We've absolutely been loving the opportunity to put together our own custom boxes of the highest quality beef, pork, and chicken. And we definitely don't want you guys to miss out on the chance to try it too. Right now, if you visit butcherbox.com forward slash modernmamas, you get the chance to get $10 off of your first box, plus two free 10-ounce grass-fed ribeyes. You definitely don't want to miss out on this deal, friends, so get on it.